Hello friends, welcome to the 8th house of astrology, ruler of occult, magic, mystery, and truth. Join me, Sarah, a developing psychic medium with a scientific mind, and my good friend Eliza, a tarotist and thanatologist, as we explore through the lens of the tarot, the healing hidden within the deepest and sometimes the darkest corners of the human experience. gosh, Eliza, I'm so grateful I have a friend who is just so knowledgeable of the system of the tarot. So I am pretty excited to hear what you have to teach us about the Fool card. Well, we're going to explore it together. That's what the Fool's all about. I think I'd first like to read a couple of passages from a, a couple of different decks that I have. Um, one deck is the very first tarot I ever uh, procured. It's called White Witch Tarot by Maja de Aust from L.A. And her fool comes last, which I find um, some, some people do that. And I think that's pretty neat. Um, and she writes sort of, she does channeled writings, those little poems mm -hmm. for her cards. So here is hers, the fool, becoming. Is there yet an enemy can pose a threat to one who's loosened all identity? With no distinction necessary, the universe is who you marry. The end of petty opposition brings love itself into fruition. Unconditional and brave, it enters through the foolish knave. Hold a mind to right and wrong, and you are chained to abandon. Certainty comes quietly from acceptance of its own impossibility. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I love deep shit right? like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I have this one, Tarot of the Crone by Ellen Lorenzi Prince. She is amazing. I love, love, love her words especially just they're so powerful so she's got a poem um but i actually am going to read her little passage about the fool um the cloak of the crone keep in mind this is a crone exclusively crone deck so i had to get it going on 50 over here um the cloak of the crone is all you hear all you see, all you know of your everyday world. Only a fool would try to see what lies beneath. Only a fool abandons the known for the unknown and perhaps unknowable. Only a fool risks becoming lost in the void, becoming a tiny star in endless space. A force beyond your small self opens a new space in your soul. You are impelled to start on a new path, one in which you cannot predict the final destination or possibly even the next step, but feels inevitable all the same. Can you truly trust the universe? In the void, where there is no up and no down, you can do nothing else. Remember, there is a part of you that wants this, that welcomes it because it knows becoming formless and timeless is what you need to create a new future. Mm -hmm. So that's a 
That was more of like an interpretation if you got the card. But mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating that she talks about um, Becoming and the other lady's actual poem is called Becoming. I, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I so, feel like my mind kind of being blown right now because <laughs> yeah. I know the, 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 the number of the fool card is the zero or a yeah. circle, which is, you know, encompassing all and has no beginning yeah. has no end it's kind of like and um <laughs> i don't know i feel like we can see the fool as the one who we are starting out as but also the one we're striving to be <laughs> yeah it's an orboros <laughs> i don't know what that word is <laughs> mm. That's the snake or dragon that's eating its tail and oh, it never ends. Yes, yes, yes. The yes. symbol, the very right. classic symbol. Um, right. It's also like the Tao, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Tao, which is the Tao must not be the Tao or whatever that mm-hmm. saying is from the Tao Te Ching. It's, mm-hmm. it's just this wisdom of like nothingness. Yeah, it's like samadhi in, in yogic um, texts. It's like this state of being where you are just being in, in pure awareness yeah. and it's this state we can always kind of tap into and so i just love seeing mm. these parallels mm. between schools yes. of thought yes and it also i i had forgotten i had thought about it as white light because uh you know like a prism or the rainbow mm. everything is encompassed in white in light and so it's pure but at the same time it has it all like so it's not it's it's it looks like nothing like mm-hmm. no color but it has all of the colors mm. so yeah. i don't know it's just all the things that the fool can make <laughs> us think of yeah uh, so first off i wanted to share the history of it the fool um so the tarot started in Marseille, France in the 17th century and it was popular among the court you know uh, it was like mm-hmm. a, a fun card game um, and it basically just added 22 cards wait maybe more yeah there's four um, what do we call them in playing cards so there's suits Suit? Well, suits. yeah, we call them suits, but I'm thinking of the jack, king, and queen. So in this, there's an additional. There's the page or princess. Oh, right. Um, and then there's 22 on top face of Face cards, I think we call them, right? Like face yeah, cards? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can do tarot with playing cards, and that's pretty fun. Um, if you know the meanings. And some people, the people who focus on the Marseille Marseille style um it's more with what we call pip cards which are just the numbered cards which um uh are very different from what Pamela Coleman Smith did in the Rider Waite Smith so the the fool called Lamat um is clearly like a traveling entertainer of some sort he's got his little hobo stick you know the little sack of belongings Mm -hmm. that he carries on his back the jester hat and costume 
and he is probably a troublemaker and so the hounds you know the court hounds were set to chase him off and so that's why we ended up with the dog in the card mm. in most decks in any case and so Pamela Coleman Smith which we'll call Pixie she has her dog as a little fluffy white companion um, several of the attributes of the person in the card are, are the same but it looks so carefree and whimsical he's carrying a flower he's very effeminate so it could be a you know male or female um, he's standing on a cliff and the sun is shining and he's looking up just completely unaware just utter wild abandon and mm-hmm. and I think it's so cool that the dog has come to almost be like signify the the brain for lack of you know kind of like Toto <laughs> so like hey 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 <laughs> hey that's not right we need to stay on the path and um almost like a conscience Away like Jiminy Cricket or something <laughs> so it's in some you know in some of the stuff we'll talk about that could be, even be like an animal familiar or um like in dreams I think they're called the animus or the anima or one or the other where they kind of guide you mm-hmm. um and of course there's spirit animals and totems and just got me thinking about that I did want to mention before we get off of the fool the very important reason that I started looking at tarot was um my little rat named Frank who I gave the stage name to of Jack Tarot Rat because I thought it would be clever like Jack Kerouac the beat writer Now, one of our first decks that he loved, he would literally run to the cards and just pour over them and grab them. And he kept assigning me the fool, which in this deck was called the Wanderer. (laughs) Anyway, the Wanderer is both an end and a beginning. One journey has already come full circle. And as you distill your life, experience into sacred memory and put the past and its burdens to rest the future waits patiently for you to make the first move remember that your wisdom strength and whatever personal experiences and skills you have may not help you now the honest spirit of human inquisitiveness leads you beyond yourself and into a new life this unconscious energy creates a rainbow bridge that rises and greets your foot It will carry you over the void as you step, trusting and empowered into the unknown. So there's just a lot of Mm. void, unknown. Yeah, unconscious. over and over. That was the first time I've heard that word associated with, I mean, you know, you said, I mean, there's the headless. (laughs) The headless um, form in one of the decks you just shared, which to me, I, I suppose, could mean like unconscious. Like you're just you know walking without the influence of self-judgment judgment judgment of others um 
and all of the things that make us question whether we're doing the right mm-hmm. thing or mm-hmm. not. I know we talked about before, like, is it trust? Is it something that's already in you? Or is it is it because I remember right. thinking, was it, do you trust until you have reason to doubt? Is it like innocent until proven guilty? It's so interesting. And I just love. Yeah. I, kn- I didn't realize how important this card was. You know, like I always just kind of thought of it as like the beginning. Like, you know, like we have our our um new moon rituals and okay let's set our let's set our intentions on you know a new whatever path a new step forward you know um i just i never realized the significance of how you're really just being led by your heart like you're not thinking too much about the fact that you're starting something new it's just happening kind of happening kind mm-hmm. of naturally and maybe organically or instinctively instinct. yeah i mean i'm kind of starting to think about my own understanding of my process of trying something new where like i constantly i'm in my head about it am i doing the right yeah. thing is there is there a way i could do this um not better but kind of yeah i mean you know like is there a better choice i could have made to get to that next step to this or that like i'm constantly even though i i'm trying not to even though i've been training for over 10 years how to be in the present moment it's not Mm. easy oh well i did want to say on was it non-attachment that's the buddhist term Mm -hmm. Mm non-attachment it's definitely got that i don't know if we touched on that but yeah, it's like the antithesis of the term I hate, overthinking. I, I don't believe that because I am an overthinker and I don't, I find it insulting because mm. I think thinking, thinking is important. I weigh a lot. I think a lot. I replay things in my head. I think about every possible outcome, I you know, and mm-hmm. I just, I just do that and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. So, yeah. I, I, I don't that. think that means that you can't. So I know I said that's the antithesis of the full energy, but at the same time, I feel like you can have both. You can turn one on more. You can yes, you know. yes, and that's getting into another uh, area of <laughs> of self uh, inquiry that I've been kind of getting mm-hmm. into recently, which is the internal family systems model of mm-hmm. understanding ourselves. And, and I'm really trying to learn how to have conversations with those parts of myself, like that part of me that feels like it's important right now to overthink. And, you know, like, is there another part of me that can have a conversation and say, like, do we really you know need who, to do this right now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, you know who does that? Have you listened to much of the Root Lock Tarot podcast? Just a few times when you've mentioned it. Wow. So he... I, I can't think of the individual's name. It's either Winston or Weston, and I can't recall. So he ended up becoming a, a, he's based in New York. He started this several years ago. I think there's like four seasons. Um, he um, began a program himself up in New York to become a marriage and family counselor. Mm. So he's on that path, and he had to put down the, podcast but his 
I think he's got a website too where you can have you know download spreads and things but he has some great tie-ins with that type at that family what did you call it internal the system? family systems ifs internal ifs okay so he talks about that and he sees the court cards or the face cards as that like and so if you for instance i i remember hearing one about when and and honestly that's where i got the the um when you when a card shows up upside down that is where i got that idea from yeah he when, says you were... when, when it's upside down it is inward and Ooh. so that's something that you are not feeling great about that you might want to turn it on its head you know like or have a conversation it with it from another yeah. part so I love he this. mentioned something about like the page is the child you know it's a family right so the page is the child the knight is like the uh, teen or young adult wow. and then the you know king and queen are the mom and dad I'm getting so, so excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can you've start. You gotta doing, listen to this. I, I gotta learn the tarot. I gotta be, you know, an expert like you so that I can start doing internal family system tarot readings. Just listen to his. <laughs> you've gotta listen to his episodes because he so goes cool. into it. Once he's like in school and learning these things, he's like, so I designed a spread. And so he says, so if you get the page. Um, you know, when these court cards come up in your readings, if a page is turned upside down, that could be you saying to yourself, ooh, I feel uncomfortable about this still. If I were my own parent, how would I address myself? Mm -hmm. You know, like if it comes up surrounding something, you can think of it as like, well, this might be the time I was scolded at the grocery store or, you know, and if you could be your own parent, how would you make that child feel better and whole and turn them upright? This is so cool. Like I had, I just did incredible. not. Yeah. Okay, so people might not know this, but I, I have a degree in healthcare um, rehabilitation sciences. So I'm, I'm a professional um, occupational therapist. I work with children, um, and so I have a, a fairly analytical mind. You know, I like to pride myself in providing mostly evidence-based interventions for treatment and stuff. But I just, I love how some of these um, psychological systems that are, you know, like the internal family systems has has been through um, like the peer-reviewed process of, and I don't know, I just love how tarot that people think about, mm -hmm. you know, tarot cards as being this you know wishy-washy um system Woo -woo. For, yeah you yeah. know i just i love it i mean it really can be used and i lo i know you like to call it like a psychological tool i i'm just seeing more and more how that is true when i'm talking to you so so yeah i mean so speaking of the tarot structure i there's so much to discuss, but just to start out, since we're starting out and kind of following the fool's journey, meaning the order of the cards, like I said, some people put the fool at the very end. Um, its value is zero. It is the only card that is valued zero. Um, so that could be why. Um, and so it's a non-entity. And they call it the fool's journey because it is as if, 
this entity is going through um, the entire deck step by step and what they encounter along the way. So it kind of has to be an entity who is nothingness. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And in that sense, it's the significator of the whole deck. So it's like <laughs> if you set him outside, you would be fine. You could still, you know, yeah, experience the entire deck. Okay, so... So, so he's almost like doubly, triply, quadruply, quintuply special if you draw that yeah. kind of guide of the entire deck, you know, if you think of it that way. I think it's so cool. And I'm thinking on this, um, for some reason, what you just said made me think of like the fool starting out as like our soul's planning our life if that's if that's yeah. how it works I, I I have I don't have any solid beliefs around that quite yet but it made me think of like um, how the fool's journey might start even before we're in this body because before yeah. we are physical we are in right. my beliefs pure consciousness pure awareness right. just being yeah um, and and so I'm just thinking, you know, um, I think it'll just help me understand the message of the fool in, well, maybe it's like, maybe it doesn't even have to be like a physical journey that we're on, you know, like, I don't right. know. I don't know. And there's the whole fate versus free will. And I think the Tara really addresses, like, it mixes them and makes you wonder, well, which is it? You know, it's mm-hmm. just a constant inquiry like you said mm-hmm. um and i i think we kind of didn't mention fear the fool is fearless and i didn't i don't know if it's because he's just naive and innocent mm-hmm. or or trusting or just has no well all of that because <laughs> there's no reason to not mm-hmm. because it's just what is yeah and he's so new and he's seeing things was just such a fresh Blank right. perspective, blank slate. That and I feel like, like why would you question anything? Why would you think about it? Yeah, just and I feel like that's that can be a definition of unconditional love. Like whatever yeah. you do is supported by the unknown. Whatever you do yeah. is okay if you make a yeah. choice that you that your conscious mind thinks is wrong guess what it's not it's only wrong because you think it is but like exactly. in the grand scheme of things it's the not. dog is your conscience <laughs> and that's what and that's what um i feel like that's what god is you know like yeah god is like the source. unknown source that loves you because it doesn't give a shit what you do just like you said like name what you think about it right and i think that that's um it's it's just and it definitely the fool has echoes in so many cards like i mean the sun is prominent in this one the um but then with the dog it makes me think of the parallel in the moon card which you drew today the um so we'll connect it naturally to the moon the dog represents the domestic conscious side of us versus the wolf that's in the moon card is the wild id unabandoned fool mm. subconscious so, so many 
connections. So many stories yeah. and connections in these cards. I there love is. it. One thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and let me know if this is an okay time um, to bring it up, but you told me a story once of an experience with your friend Nate, and um, and I wonder if you would want to share Oh, yeah. That. For sure. Nate was, like I said, someone who just traveled and just decided to leave and just had sort of a unstable, you know, he would be living in people's backyards in a tent or just, I, and in fact, here's another tie-in. Remember the bird, the dreamer of wings riding the bird to the moon? Mm -hmm. Well, I called Nate my bird friend because he would Mm. just show up and leave and show up and leave. And then one time when he didn't, show up again he and my ex used to do a a band project around the first of the year every year for a long time and this was when we had um just our daughter who by the way sarah worked with as an ot when she was having um anxiety and which she ended up having panic attacks um but at the time, it sort of started manifesting in her stomach. So little Izzy, Isabel, was going on two years old when, um, or right, the last time I saw Nate, she was two years old. So she's a January baby. And so when Nate didn't show back up, my husband and I were like, hmm. Um, we'd known that he was using heroin. Um, he had just gotten a large settlement from a car accident and, um, was forgiven a minor charge that could have been much worse. So he decided to just head out West. He didn't have an identification or anything. And we learned on Easter weekend that he had passed and it was I was pregnant with my second my son and he actually weird thing is before, so we found out after this happened but when I looked back on the calendar um, to see what was kind of going on at that moment when he died I noted on the calendar my little pregnancy notes that I felt my son for the first time I didn't know if he was a boy, but the Mm -hmm. same night that he passed was the first time I felt movement. And it was a different movement than I felt with my daughter. It was like a shockwave, like electric. And I was like, whoa, what is that? So instantly when I looked at the date, when I called and informed friends and family, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, did he come into me, like, to be born of me? Like, um, so I just had that in my head for so long. It was sad but hopeful um, Mm -hmm. because when I found out he was a boy and I was able to name him after him, his middle name, Nathaniel, William Nathaniel, and it wasn't until after... My son was born. Um, We actually noticed like a huge, huge resemblance physically, which was really strange. Um, It it was almost uncomfortable. (laughs) So 
when I went to my sister-in-law's for Christmas, I was nursing my two-month-old son. He was born in October. And um, so I slept in the office on a little pallet on the floor. Now, when I... um, The sun came up, like, the day after Christmas, and... I was lying on the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, she's finished nursing. I'm going to get some real sleep and crawl up onto this sofa. So I did that. And um, the light was kind of softly, you know, the first rays of light were coming in through the window. And I was a little chilly. And the doors were closed, but not like tightly closed. Like someone could have come in. But I closed my eyes. And not as soon as I pulled up the little throw blanket, I felt a weight on me. And I looked up because I thought that someone had put a blanket on me. No one is there. (laughs) And I looked on my body where I felt the blanket and it was Nate's apparition. And he was curled up onto me. And I went to embrace him like touch him with my hands and he vanished so I had this moment of what do I do what do I do how do I contact him very quickly because it was it felt loving but also very sad and I was very worried about him Mm -hmm. because he seemed to be like appearing to me like how he probably passed um like he was wearing Mm. what I imagined he looked like I imagined him looking when he passed over, when he died. Um, So even down to the, like, fetal position, it just seemed very, like, pained and Mm. anguished. So Mm -hmm. I called out in my mind, I looked to the sun rays, and I said, what do you need? What can I help you with? What can I help you with? And I just kept repeating that, like, quickly and intensely. And I got a very strong message. My dad won't let me go. And so I told my husband, my ex, about it. I, you know, and we had just visited with Nate's dad. And he gave us some of Nate's belongings. He said, I still can't bear to look at the box of his cremains. Um, I, I can't deal with it. So this was like a couple months later, and I just knew that his dad still wasn't dealing with it, and that Nate had come to me to ask me to help, um, because a free of a spirit as that is does not want to be taped up in a box. I mean, so I, I got a lot of reaction from my ex and his family you know I was very close to his sister at the time and she was fascinated now my ex was like really didn't want to hear about it like he was like that's too weird that's freaky like no um which surprised me I think he was a little scared and Mm -hmm. oh yeah yes and or maybe didn't believe it because he was he was actually brought up catholic um so I don't know. I don't know why he was so resistant to the idea, but I, I was trying to seek clarity on what I should do. Like, should I contact his dad or is he going to think I'm crazy or, you know. So I got back mm-hmm. and being the fool that I am, 
and doing what I think is right. I contacted him. I called him up. This was in the 90s. Or no. 2001. Yeah. The end of 2001. So, wow. 20 years ago. This was 20 years ago. Almost exactly. It's a good... Good Elf came out that year. So, <laughs> you know, it's a good year for, for holiday movies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I just watched an episode on the making of it. That's oh the only God. reason I know that. No, um, talk about a fool. Yeah, it's perfect parallel. Uh, oh, so, seriously. Um, please continue. Oh, so, I never heard this aspect of your story. Oh, yeah. And so, it's amazing. So I called Sam, who is now... He, he's a survivor himself. He's survived cancer. He was like the dad everyone wanted when we were growing up. It was Nate's mom who kind of cut him out. Um, so he kind of didn't have parents, didn't have a connection. Um, and so it kind of explains the way he was. Um, but his dad and him had become very close, like the last several months before he left and died so at least that Mm. I mean so I called him and um I I just told him the story I told you and he was speechless and crying and he was like I'm I'm going to the beach and I'll I'm taking him I'll take him um so he (laughs) Took him out on a boat. I'm getting so many full body chills right now. Um, I just feel like, I just feel like Nate's totally listening to this right now. <laughs> um, so you know, um, I just wanted to bring this up because this is the full episode, and um, we did something sort of new a couple weeks ago. And that was a reading. I did a mediumship reading with Eliza with with no preconceived, um, you know, expectations for Nate to show up um, because he is the only friend I know of Eliza that we've spoke about um, her experience in living with his passing. And um, and it was my first time ever providing a mediumship reading for someone I know and know fairly well and love and respect. Um, So that was, that was kind of exciting for me. I sort of tried um, to use a fool's mind during the process. And I think it was your first ever mediumship reading. Um, So I don't know, should we, should we talk a little bit about that? About, um, you know, I think, (laughs) You know, since this is our our pilot episode, we're talking about the fool, sort of using this energy of the unknown and uh, the beauty that can come from it. I'll just mention a little bit about how, (laughs) you know, you talked about how um, Nate, he didn't care what people thought. And when you were thinking about um, contacting his dad with this message that you were clearly drawn to give to him um it crossed your mind like is he gonna think i'm crazy but um but you but you did it you did it anyway um and you know this is are they going to think i'm crazy that's a big part of 
me like you know like coming out as this person who believes Mm -hmm. it's fairly easy to communicate with people after they've passed on from this physical world and because it's not a belief I've held for very long or at least even I'm maybe I believed it all my life I just never really stopped to think about it until the last two or three years um so you know just being on this podcast speaking outwardly about um, providing mediumship readings and at this point I it's probably been close to 300 readings that I've done it still feels scary to um, to express that part of myself because of what the people in my um, analytical healthcare field might think about me or this or that. And it's only a part of me that, you know, and going back to this internal family systems, it's only a part of me that's scared. Like there's a bigger part of me that's like, whatever, like this is this is just... This is what I believe. I don't believe in many things. I believe that what we believe can be limitless and what is possible could be limitless. So blah, 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 blah. Um, so maybe using The Fool as a inspiration, how was your experience getting your very first mediumship mm. reading? I didn't know what to expect. Um, and I was, I think both you and I were kind of trying not to think about the elephant in the room, uh, which was the Nate story and knowing that he was the predominant, you know, the most meaningful person I have lost, uh, who was a human. And um, I think we were both trying to somehow go about the mediumship reading without making it be him if it wasn't him. Um, So I didn't really know how... It was gonna go. I just let I I let go and let you, Sarah, just kind of ask questions, identify what what you were experiencing. So from that point of view, I was just completely open and just listening to what you were asking me. And you know, just I, I remember you asking like, does do you have? If I'm feeling an uncle energy and like me having to rack my brain to make connections and then when I just stopped trying I was like oh it all makes sense the last time I saw him you mentioned balloons and it was my daughter's birthday the last time I saw him and and the uncle energy being he was like a brother so he was like an uncle to my children or you know the one that he met and then was the namesake of the other so yeah it was it was quite incredible and then, yeah, I felt very genuinely like we contacted him and that he appeared in a very jovial, fun, fool-like way. <laughs> so I I would love for, for your experience, too, to hear more from your end. Um, I feel like, at least from my understanding... And my references, what I have to bring to explaining mediumship, um, it really comes down to having taken the time to train your body to 
listen to the present moment, to listen to the subtleties of the energy around you, and then being able to uh, discriminate your own body's energetic footprint so that when another one enters, you can be more aware to the mm. subtle changes. Um, and then, so it's just like, like practice and practice and practice. Like the more you practice, the more you develop tools for expanding the ways <laughs> you understand the energies. And so I just, I vow to be, to be present and to listen. And I just assume anything that comes up in my mind, in my sense, in my senses is not related to my own story, but related to serving the person I'm reading for. Mm -hmm. So um, I might say, well, I'm, I'm feeling like a male presence and I'm being reminded of my uncle John mm -hmm. and, you know, and like, he looked like this and it could be that you know, that maybe you knew someone that was like my Uncle John or blah, 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 blah. Um, yes. Um, so, so yeah, I feel like just viewing this through that fool's archetype, like you really are just trying, at least me when I'm working, really trying to just listen to the environment, the energies and just trust that what I am sensing after declaring that it is my intention to connect with guides, loved ones of Eliza. And so trusting, you just got to trust that whatever you're feeling after that is related. And so, um, that's awesome. So, well, so I want to, that's it. Um, so the crazy thing is I, I think tarot is such a different, type of tool and I don't know that it's I've never thought of it as having potential to kind of see into things beyond um, like I, I, I've never really felt like it was great to do for yourself or because I think your, your conscious mind gets in the way of what might appear and then even so even if it doesn't your conscious mind immediately goes Oh, well, it means this, and it interprets it, and it applies it to what you already know. So it's really difficult to separate the knowing from just allowing it. And yeah. um, it's a really crazy difference. So I have, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll talk about that more and more and more as the show goes on. Um, I wanted to kind of mentioned like the the way that I got into it was that I have my own deck and I talked about my photography earlier in the episode but um so it's using sort of like collaging of my existing nature photographs and it's kind of a world unto itself and I paralleled it I modeled it after the the Rider Waite Smith images and meanings um so for me the fool I used as um, a dragonfly who I connect deeply with dragonflies and I think they are both whimsical but powerful in the same way that a fool energy is um, mm. 
they dart around. They're kind of badasses, you know. They're mm-hmm. warriors of the sky. They grow up in the sludge and the bottom of bodies of water. They're just just awesome. And I think they are kind of hams. And so I had this funny picture of a dragonfly kind of making a silly face at me. Like, <laughs> see if you can catch me and get a picture. And <laughs> before he flew I love it off. that. So I anyway, it. I just wanted to um, bring up the fact that I have a tarot deck. And um, so it is for sale. It's uh, beautiful. It's on Etsy. What, I only have two tarot decks, and it's one of my two. Aww. So, um, But yeah, I, I forgot to tie that in. Um, so, so speaking of the tarot and the fact that it is, um, to me, not typically something that is more fate than, I mean, I, I tend to think of it more on the free will side than the fate side. Like, just in the way that I designed it, I intended it to be certain things for each card, the way it's designed, the way um, cards show up. I think they show up maybe randomly, but at the same time, they have prescribed meanings. Those meanings can be run the gamut, and they can connect, and they can intersect, and they can... um, It's really about the context of who's asking and what they're asking. Um, but it is like a formula and it's like 78 different spectrums. Like that's a Mm -hmm. lot. That's a lot of, of sort of descriptive, um, meaning symbolic tie-ins to what situations you're dealing with. So gosh, when we talked about it being like a professional thing, I could see, the tarot easily kind of replicating whatever psychological or helping profession type work. Like when I'm doing social work counseling practice activities with classmates, mm-hmm. I cannot help but just keep going back to like, oh, well, that would be such and such card in the tarot, you know? So it to me, it's very intentional and it's more psychological so I was completely completely excited when last weekend I had the opportunity to nab a spot with tarot legend Rachel Pollock who adapted um, a spread um, from Gail Fairfield I believe she said that was a relationship reading and she thought to herself why not use tarot as the medium and the relationship spread as the living and the crossed over. And so I attended her presentation and spoke to someone who had lost her partner in a car accident, um, I believe like 10 years ago. And I witnessed the hundred of so people that were on this presentation all having things to say in the chat it was incredible, and it will be recorded, but just to be a part of that, it was know. it was amazing, and I got the first sense I've had that, okay, maybe there's something more to this, and, you know, my readings with Al, my rooster, that is how we began bonding and 
I really believe communicating. And so I started seeing the tarot or thinking of it after that experience last weekend as not only a psychological tool, but a communication tool across mm. realms, across species, across, I don't know. Just I love that. Yeah, love right? That. Anyway, um, well, this thank has you. been pretty oh my awesome. God. Yeah. I can't wait to practice that myself and to learn more about it from you. And um, yeah, this is exciting. I can't wait to um, get our feet even more wet <laughs> in the waters of podcasting. <laughs> that was great. And that was super cool to tie in with the, um, the sort of an add-on to the mediumship reading that you gave me with Nate. It was kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, we could have delved way more into it, but that was a good sort of, where were you at, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Check yeah, in. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll awesome. definitely do more readings. That, that's, and I'll give you one, and we'll do animal ones, and house yeah. clearings, and yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so, um, thank you so much for being part of this with us. We can't wait to have more conversations while you listen. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, Sarah. Great first time. Even though we tried, what, two, three other times to have a first time? <laughs> so... Yeah, well, you know, that's how it yeah. goes. I, I it wonder goes. if they'll all be like this or if it's just something about the fool. <laughs> well, we'll see. Thanks, everyone. Bye. We'll see you next time. <laughs>